We're going to start a new conversation. Hopefully that's okay this morning. Um, I think it's appropriate to shift gears a little bit, but I titled my sermon, Courage in the Face of Fear. We've been talking about the perilous days uh, that we're living in, and now we're going to kind of talk about what we need from the Lord to endure these perilous times. And some of you are like, well, these, are, these days aren't that bad. Really, have you watched the news? Um, you might want to start. Uh, but courage is going to be a, a valuable virtue in the days ahead. Uh, and um, especially in the culture that we live in these days. And, you know, I don't need to go into much, much explanation, but uh, I, I personally believe it's kind of like a conviction of mine. Uh, it's a deep kind of sense that I get from the Lord that, that God is raising up courageous people all over the earth today. Uh, people who, who don't care all that much about the status quo, right? Um, I happen to think I'm uh, one of them, but I, I don't know. I'll let others come to that conclusion. Uh, but I believe God is raising up a countercultural uh, people that really will not compromise the truth of God's word for a pro approval, excuse me, or acceptance. I think that there's plenty of examples for this in the scriptures. You have um, everyone from uh, Elijah to Esther to Moses and Abraham. The New Testament's full of them, Paul the apostle. I mean, really the list goes on uh, with examples of people, men and women alike, who against all odds accomplished extraordinary works for the good of man in the glory of God. And I believe that legacy lives on today in the church. I believe that even now there are men and women, even in this place today, and listen to, listening uh, to us online, that are of that, uh, that, 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 that plight, or above that, 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 that nature where they are going to accomplish great and extraordinary things for the purposes of God and the good of man. And, um, you know, I, I want to be one of them. Uh, and in order to do that, I'm going to need some, a few things anyways, from the Lord. Uh, I think one person that sticks out specifically to me in the scriptures that really exemplified courage is the prophet Daniel. Uh, and I'm sure many of you already knew like, oh, he's going to be speaking about courage. Of course, he's going to use Daniel as the example, right? Well, he's a great example. You know, it, right in the throes of chapter one we, we, uh, of the book of Daniel, we find that his hometown was just invaded. His hometown was conquered and occupied. And of course, Judah had fallen into the hands of the Babylonian army. And as a result of that invasion, Daniel has now been taken from his homeland, Judah, and placed in Babylon to be educated in the Babylonian customs and culture. Now, I know I'm tracking a little bit fast, but if you look at Daniel chapter one, that's really the pace that uh, it goes. You know, like it goes really fast. Like you go right into the story of the war that's happening and, and right into the exile of these uh, men who were taken and plucked out of Judah and placed into Babylon. And Daniel was, of course, one of them, or numbered um, amongst one of them. Let's read Daniel 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this. Now, this is verse 3. We're, we're just into the first couple of verses of chapter 1 of the book of Daniel. It says, The king commanded his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel 
both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, and of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and competent to stand in the king's palace to teach them in the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon wants to indoctrinate some of the brightest, noble, good-looking, strong, and educated young men of Judah in the language and literature of Babylon. This is where I'm kind of disqualified. I'm not educated. I'm certainly not good looking, so I wouldn't be picked. But Daniel was. And shortly in around verse eight of chapter one, we see Daniel's first, um, his first act of defiance to the king's rules and orders. In Daniel one, uh, verse eight, we read this. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, what's going on here is these men have been again plucked out of their hometown. They're now placed in Babylon to learn the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And they're also being fed the food that Babylonians eat. And, you know, if you know anything about Jewish culture, some of that food is probably not appropriate, right? And so Daniel's of the mind, probably not like everybody that was exiled, but he's of the mind, and him and a couple other guys are of the mind, not to defile themselves and eat the food. I mean, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 will preach in and of itself, but it's not necessarily the direction we're going in. But he, 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 he wants not to defile himself, and the uh, chief of staff has a bit of a concern about this. And this is important because we really get a look into kind of this king, Nebuchadnezzar. He's a ruthless tyrant who really doesn't mean well at all. He's barbaric in a sense. This is what uh, the chief of staff says in verse 10 of chapter 1. Again, we're only in the first chapter of Daniel. It moves very fast. But he responded... I'm afraid of my Lord, the King, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the King will have me beheaded. Now I'm laughing because that's quite drastic, right? I mean, we're just talking about food, like, and and, and possibly this chief of staff is uh, possibly lose his head if Daniel uh, uh, seeks to defy the king's order and not eat the food. So they're going to test it out for 10 days. Why not, right? If Daniel's skin becomes pale, if his body becomes thin, you know, uh, they're going to change it up and he'll have to eat some of the foods. But as of now, they're good. But really, this is more than just what not to eat and what to eat. This is us seeing that Daniel... In the midst of this culture, Babylon is not going to go along with the program. I think that's important. You know, if I'm Daniel, I'm thinking, hey, man, it's over, right? We had a good run. <laughs> Things in Judah were good, but now we in Babylon. Like, we, we done, son. We're here being educated. It's over. We're in prison. Like, we might as well just get on with the program. Give me the wine. Give me the pig. Let's eat the beef, right? Daniel's not. He's not of that mind. He's not cut of that cloth. He refuses, even in the midst of dire circumstances, to defile himself and be disobedient to God. So I believe that even though it's not noted here in Daniel chapter 1, verse 10, there's risk involved. 
Now, certainly the chief of staff, he acknowledged that risk, but I imagine that some of that risk exists for David himself. I don't know if David would be uh, beheaded, who knows, but certainly I believe he would have been punished if the king found out they uh, refused to eat the food and and did not follow through with the king's orders. Which leads me to my first takeaway. If you're taking notes, this would be a good place to write it down. This is my first takeaway. Courage causes us to overcome the risks involved with staying true to our convictions. One amen. Thank you, babe. Biggest supporter in the room. That's my wife. Hallelujah. Courage causes us to overcome the risks involved with staying true to our convictions. Daniel cares very little, it appears, uh, with the risk involved, with not eating the king's food. He knows the king is ruthless and will possibly put him and this chief of staff to death if he defines the orders of the king and they're not carried out and executed. But Daniel, and he's not about that. He's not concerned. I was invited not too long ago to go skydiving, um, which was interesting because the, the, the good friend who invited me, I won't mention his name. Uh, he's in this room, but that would just not be nice. Uh, he's afraid of heights. Like, and I'm like, I look at him like, dude, like you and me, we don't do heights. Like, right? like I threw up on a kiddie ride at Canopy Lake. Like I don't, I don't do heights, man. Right. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, muster up the courage and kind of go against like your fears and everything. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that works for you, but I'm quite content with allowing my feet to uh, fear to keep my feet firmly placed upon the ground. It was interesting. Um, I remember uh, my first flight at 18, I was kind of a late starter, you know, kind of late to the game of flight. And um, I was heading off to Michigan to be with a pastor friend of mine, to minister at his church and to be ministered by him. And um, it was my first go. And I'm, I'm open at this point, you know, about flying. I'm a little nervous. I'm like, you know, the thought of being like 30,000 feet in the air, you know, whatever. It doesn't, you know, it just kind of scares me a little bit. But we'll just, just pretend that, that that height doesn't exist. And um, man, I, w- I was, we were into it like 35, 40 minutes into the flight and everything was going good. It was like, man, this isn't bad. I could do this. I could really get into this flight flying thing. And suddenly, no joke, about 30 to 40 minutes into the flight, the plane just starts to nosedive. Like, I'm not trying to exaggerate this at all. It literally felt like we were just gliding, you know, in the friendly skies. And all of a sudden, the plane it just kind of went ooh, down. And I'm sure that, you know, it was only like two minutes to three minutes, but it felt like an eternity. And I was holding onto the arms of the chair, praying in tongues, asking God to forgive me for my sin and getting my, right, my life right with Christ. And, and everything seemed to like pan out and it got uh, the plane got back to good. I don't even know how to explain it, but it leveled off. And, but it was just, it was crazy. I, I was just like, I, I just vowed from that moment on to only fly if necessary. I know some of you guys, you love flying. I am not cut. I'm not hewn from that rock. I will only fly to Hawaii and exotic destinations around the world. Okay. 
But other than that, I'm good here. I'm good here. But you know, my, my point is this, is this man who invited me, he found the courage to do something crazy against his, his nature, even against his fear of flying, right? And that's, that's inspiring. And, and this is my thought. Courage will bring you to do some crazy stuff, won't it? It will. Like doing something you're really fearful of doing. And I think this is what Daniel's doing. He's, he's being courageous. He's being courageous. Which this leads me to Daniel's second act of defiance. Now, this is in chapter 6. Um, so we're going to move ahead some chapters here. But what we need to know is um, at this point in Daniel's life, he is like, he is really experiencing some favor um, in Babylon. He is just, he's high up there. Uh, At this point in Daniel's life, he's about ready before this whole occasion happens that we're going to talk about a little bit to be set up as second in command over the entire uh, Babylonian empire. That would be kind of like the equivalent of being the vice president of the United States. So just to get a feel like things are going really good for Daniel by the time we get to chapter six. At this time, just some couple of things that will be helpful as we try to move at a fast clip here. Um, Babylon was divided into 120 different provinces. Uh, the king placed Daniel, as I said earlier, over the high officers in the provinces to protect his interest. There was a lot of corruption, as there still is in politics. I mean, it's just the way it goes. And, and Daniel's loyalty was so strong and, and so fierce, not to just his God, but to the king, which is interesting. I mean... Uh, that will preach in and of itself. So he's really loyal and the king knows that David will put the smack down on the corruption, right? That's in the government. And so he's placed a second in charge right next to the king to watch over um, the high officers and the administrators of these provinces. Um, Daniel has proven himself Uh, to be capable and loyal to the king and the administrators and the high officers are subject to him. And of course, this makes Daniel like not so popular amongst these officers and these administrators. They're not, their whole system is being interrupted. Their way of of gaining um, income in a corrupt way has has just, Daniel's putting the kibosh on it. So naturally he's making some Enemies, And this is what we read in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Then these high officials and satraps, some uh, translation call them um, administrators, that doesn't really matter. They sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground in, uh, for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Man, wouldn't you like the Bible to say something like this about you? Come on. I mean, Daniel, there's nothing that these guys can find in Daniel. No corruption there. Uh, and so these men come to the realization that if they're going to kind of uh, bring Daniel's reign to an end, they're going to have to find a different angle. And most certainly they do. And in verse Five of chapter 6 we read this these men of whom we listed said we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God come on 
This doesn't sound familiar here. And this is where we find that Daniel's loyalties will be put to test when the king passes a law that would prohibit people from worshiping their God. So here it is. They know that they cannot find any angle to set Daniel up uh, and kind of paint him in some light where he comes across as doing something nefarious or corrupt. And so they're like, we're going to have to go after his faith. Right? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to concoct a plan amongst us uh, to say, listen, King, um, why don't we just have 30 days set aside where people in Babylon are only worshiping you, not their gods and not someone else, only you. And of course, this appeals to the pride of the king. And he says, yeah, of course, let's do it. And Daniel, man, he is a rebel. He is a rebel. In Daniel 6, 6 through 9, we're going to read this. And these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, which is interesting because David, Daniel, excuse me, would have been one of those high officials. He was never invited to this conversation. Um, All the high officials of the kingdom, satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance. It's an interesting word. And enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so that it can not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document an injunction. So far, Daniel has been absolutely loyal to the king, right? Up to this point, from the outside looking in, Daniel's got it made. He's got a life. So we're not on the, the front side of Daniel chapter one, where he's this kind of new king stepping on to the scene in Babylon. He's like, you know, he's a government official. He's got power. He's got prestige, right? He, he's up there in, in, in second. He has authority in, 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 in kind of second place to the king. Um, but here, right now, all those loyalties are going to be challenged. All those loyalties are going to be challenged. I love what Spurgeon says about Daniel chapter 6. Man, let this kind of just echo in our spirits today as we consider some of the things that we're up against as the church. It says this, Daniel refused to give the government the measure of obedience that belonged to God alone. <laughs> Second takeaway, you need courage in order to make your allegiances clear. Man, the pressure is on, kids. Mark my words. Like, God's popularity is sinking, man. And to be a follower of Christ, to be a follower of God is risky business, right? In American culture, I know I might be coming across a little hyperbolic, but trust me, friends, it's not gonna become any easier being a follower of Jesus. And there are days coming that are even now upon us where we need to have courage 
to make our allegiance to Christ crystal clear. Two of you agree. Amen. I'm done. (laughs) Daniel's loyalty is to God. Make no doubt about it. You know, the, the interesting thing, and I'm sure if you're familiar with the book of Daniel and this story, um, you know where this is going. I mean, Daniel doesn't even like play any games. Like, like you know, if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, let's just like, I'll go to my room. I can still worship God. Nobody needs to know. Keep those doors closed. You know, maybe put my head over, like a pillow over my head and just pray under my pillow, Lord. I just, you know, just kind of be a little bit secretive about it a little bit, you know? Daniel's, he's not taking that route, friends. I mean, he's not going that way. He's opening those doors, right? Right? And he's making it very clear that he's not playing this game. And he does it, you'll read in chapter six, he does it immediately. Once this ordinance is put into law, it's the next thing that Daniel does is, is he goes right to his room, he opens the doors and he starts to worship and pray to God. Now, if that isn't crazy, I don't know what crazy is. It's a good kind of crazy. It's a crazy that we need today in the church. Now, I understand there's probably like, what are you saying, Daryl? What are you saying? I mean, you said something about the government. Where are you going with this? And you can just apply it any way you want. But I'm sure about this when it comes to me and my household. No government on earth is going to prevent me from worshiping my God. And if it comes down to it, if it comes down to, 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 to very shaking, uh, hard circumstances, I'll be right here praising God in defiance. Absolutely, without a doubt. Daniel's an inspiration. His loyalty to God is stronger than his loyalty to the governmental powers of his day. That's interesting. I've always looked at this as a means that you know, Daniel was kind of forced into all of this compliance and this, these rules and regulations, but David's at the top of his game, man. He's like, Daniel, sorry. Daniel's at the top of his game. I mean, so it's not like in chapter one where it's like he's the new kid on the block. We're in chapter six and he is the kid. He is that man with power and prestige, but even even in the face of what is transpiring in Daniel chapter six, even though he has all that power and all that prestige, he's willing to forsake it. He's willing to sacrifice it if it means being loyal to God. And that's inspirational, man. It's inspirational. We, the church, we, the church, we, the people of God, we, we need some backbone, friends. We need some steel up in our, you know, like, no, like, no, 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 no. You've gone too far a little bit, man. I worship my God. My allegiance is to Christ. Final takeaway. There's no end to what godly courage might take you through. Some might think that Daniel's actions were reckless, right? I mean, why forsake 
you know, so much for really so little. Like you're like, you're giving up like everything you have and everything that God has brought into your life and all the influence and all the power and all the prestige and everything. Why, why just recklessly just give that up? Just close your doors, man. Just, just pray silently in your house. Why, why do it, Daniel? And again, I just land here in my final takeaway. Daniel's allegiance to God is fierce. For Daniel, God gave him uh, courage to resist the pull of power and prestige and the courage not to fear the outcome of his defiance. You know, I said this last Sunday, I I truly believe it. I I think with all that's going on in the world, I I think the one place in which the world is looking today is the church. And from my kind of observation of everything that is happening, I I often think, what, what, what do people see when they see the church? They see... A, a courageous, fearless people, you know? Or, or do they see a, a compliant, fearful people? You know, and you can, you can look at and view the word uh, compliance in any light that you want to. I mean, we see two, I think, objections of compliance here in Daniel's life, where he's kind of the new exile, you know, on the scene in uh, Daniel chapter one, and then uh, Daniel chapter six, he's, you know, in second in line, you know, high up there in authority next to the king. I see both places in Daniel's life where he refused to be compliant, both in the low of his life where everything seemed to be falling apart. You know, like he's, he's left his hometown. It just was invaded. It was occupied. Now he's gone. He's in this foreign land. And, you know, he's being educated, you know, and immersed in Babylonian culture. And then in Daniel chapter six, he's at the height, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, of his life with such power and such authority. And in both circumstances, he never wavers. He never sways in his opinion. He never sways with his loyalties and his allegiance to Christ. And I, I just think that as these days grow in pressure, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but as things become intense and there's more pressure, and believe me, we will feel, we will feel that pressure. The people of God will feel that pressure the most. Man, we are going to need in the midst of that pressure an insurmountable amount of courage. We're gonna be having to be baptized Encourage because it, it's not going to be the popular thing to, 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 to go out in such a bold way of opening our doors when we're told not to worship, to worship anyways. And that's just one example. That's just one example. And I just think God has some godly courage for us. Amen. Stuff that we know we can't muster up ourselves. Like, uh, listen, I, I'll be totally honest. I am a weak, you know, 
like, I'm the first one to just go along with the program. I like it seriously. I like what, where are we going? What's, what are we doing? Sure. Sure. Like I, this, this kind of courage does not come natural for me. And I'm sure for many of you, it, it doesn't come natural either, but, but God has some courage reserved for us where it's not of our strength. It's not of our might. It's not of our power, but it's of God. It's of God's spirit. It's almost like when Jesus said, man, when the hour comes and you're about ready to give your life for my name, don't be worried about what to say for the spirit of God will come upon you and fill your lips with the words to say. I feel like God will do that when it comes to the courage that we need to stand to give our life in a sacrificial way for Christ as well. And I just... I don't know about you, but man, I, I, I spent the majority of this week just, Lord, Lord, I need a new boldness to fill my heart, man. I need a new courage. To, I, I'm, I'm too prone to just go along with the program man, and just be told what to do. Oh, this is what we're, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to wear whatever it is. But I, I, I just, I want to be a discerning individual who is full of godly courage, who doesn't, sway and move from every opinion and every this and that in culture, but stay strong and firm in the things of God with his allegiance being clear and his loyalties being even clearer. And I think God has that for us as a body. So what I'd like to do in these final moments is I invite someone to come in play some keys for us. Um, again, please don't, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to be really careful with my words because there's so much that overlaps for us today as a culture, as we think about COVID and, um, you know, and some of the things that are happening. I don't, I know that we probably all kind of as a church are either on one, this side or the other. I really don't care. I'm not even thinking about those things. Honestly, maybe I am a little bit, but they're not consuming my thoughts today because I don't really care honestly about them. I care about the people of God. I, I, I care that we're equipped. I, I, that's, that's my heart. That's, that's the only goal here. And what I'd like to do is just um, like we always do, just open up the altar. And, and, and this is very specific, uh, this altar call. It's for those who feel weak. You know, it's just like, man, I, I, have a, I have a hard time even sharing my faith with others. What do you mean like being defiant, you know, towards systems and structures and government, you know, what, what you, this Daniel thing, like I can barely even like hold a conversation with a stranger, you know, I'm talking about that kind of weakness, you know. And so I, I want to just open the altar if I could invite, um, the core team up to pray with me and pray for these lovely people that will respond to the altar call this morning. Um, but I, I, I'd like to open this altar up to those who feel weak, to those who just feel like, man, uh, I want to be strong. I, I want to have courage, but I, I just lack, I just lack so much confidence what I'd like to do if that's okay.
So, so if that's you, um, I'm going to close with a word of prayer and, and then we'll, we'll dismiss everyone that wants to go. And if you want to stay, stay. But if you want to respond to this altar, then I want to encourage you to respond. But before I pray, <clears throat> um, just draw your attention to a couple of things as you're leaving. Um, again, if we haven't scared you too much, Beyond Sunday is happening after church. If you want to find some more information about this family, um, we'd love to give you those details. And we'd love you to be part of this family. That happens upstairs. Uh, you'll walk up to the second floor and um, you'll take a left and it's the second door on your left. I'll be there. Uh, hopefully not as sweaty and with a smile. Although you won't know because I'll have a mask on. But um, And then, of course, we've been now for a while trying to raise money for our youth to go on a retreat. I'm so excited about this retreat. My son's going, I'm like praying, Lord, encounter his heart. Uh, I believe my heart was encountered. I don't know why I'm crying. At this retreat, I, I'm just believing. I think we have 18 to 20 youth going with us. And so I'm just hoping that not only will their hearts be encountered at this conference, but uh, that we'd be able to fully foot the bill without any extra uh, financial pressure put on their families. And so we're doing that to November. They've been faithfully um, doing a little uh, bake sale over there. So you'll see some food. It's good stuff. I've, I've, um, I've been living off it after service for the last couple Sundays. It's awesome. So help support that. And then of course, if we haven't totally frightened you, uh, and you, you really resonate and you're like, man, I would love to make this place my, my home. Um, Info Center is the place you want to go. We have a pretty cool gift for you over there and some pretty cool people that want to say hi and, and get to know you. I think I've covered all the bases. Let me close with prayer and then the altar's open. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. And now, Lord, cause the truth of your word to do its work in our hearts. Set us free. God, deposit, God, in us a spirit of courage, God. Be our strength. Those who are weak, God, let them find your strength today at this altar as we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Church, we love you. We hope you come back next Sunday. We'll see you then. Altars open. We want to pray for you. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday. It's going to be a good one. 82 degrees out there. Winter's on its way. Enjoy it while you can. Have a great Sunday.